So we're now in Act 3 of the seven missional acts in the book of Acts. Act 1, just by way of recap, was a period of uncertain waiting. It was a period unique and unrepeatable in human history between the time of the arrest of Jesus all the way up until the pouring out of the Spirit on Pentecost. Unique, unrepeatable, uncertain waiting, but still we're always partly in Act 1. So much of our lives and our mission individually and as a church, these are still full of uncertainty and they require lots of patient waiting. That was Act 1, uncertain waiting. Then Act 2, we introduced an earth-shattering dynamic into human history. The Holy Spirit was poured out by Jesus from the throne of God onto the people of God for the mission of God. And this means that the Jesus movement now has Pentecostal power. And we said that was power to go public, power to proclaim, power to persevere, and power to procreate. So this week we read Act 3. And Act 3 is about the strength of Stephen. Stephen's strength is a product of the same Pentecostal power that belongs to the church today. So let's see what has gotten into Stephen that makes him so strong. And this is something, the strength of Stephen, that can call forth strength among us as well. So the strength of Stephen is first the strength to serve, second the strength to stand, third the strength in the story, and fourth strength in the sun. Strength to serve, strength to stand, strength in the story, strength in the sun. All right, first, strength to serve. So here's something that should startle us about Stephen. Are you ready? Stephen is the first deacon, and Stephen is the first martyr. The first set-apart servant was the first to say something so true and so scandalous that it ended with him sacrificing himself for the cause of Christ. How about that? The early church had deacons. They came along in Acts chapter 6. The early church refused to separate belief and behavior and belonging. They insisted that there was no name under heaven by which we are saved other than Jesus, belief, They insisted that we live lives set apart for him in our thoughts, words, and actions, behavior. And they refused to exclude or discriminate against anyone, even people the culture saw as second class. Stephen's strength to serve comes from the conviction that everyone who believes in Jesus and conforms their behavior to the call of Jesus must experience a radical sense of belonging to Jesus. This is why he serves, to connect belonging with belief and behavior. If you're going to believe and behave, if you're going to belong to Jesus, then you're going to belong to Jesus. You're going to belong to his people. And so Stephen's going to serve you. It's still so early in the story of Acts, and the disciples, this is amazing, have already founded a social welfare initiative. The Jesus movement demanded special assistance and equal acceptance for forgotten widows, regardless of their cultural background. When the church becomes full of people like this, people 
who are firm believers, who are happy to help serve widows and orphans, then look out. There is a community that God can use to spread the fame of Jesus, the friend to the fatherless, the poor and the widow. And this means in our day that no one should ever, ever, ever think that being a deacon or just plain serving without a title is somehow lower than being an elder or a pastor. It's not even the training ground for those higher or more important offices and responsibilities. That's nonsense. There are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. The word of God doesn't grow in the book of Acts only through speaking. It spreads also with deeds of love and mercy done by the servants of God who are strong to serve. So act three of this missional movement of Jesus, it kicks off with the strength of Stephen to serve. He's already a hero. He's already a witness before he ever gets up and speaks before the Sanhedrin, before he's ever martyred, before anyone has ever heard of him, before he says anything. He's a hero because he's strong to serve. And we as a church only enter into act three. We only really join the Jesus movement for real if we each and if we all together under the lordship of the spirit experience like Stephen the strength to serve. The people on the outside see our stunning service to the weakest people here on the inside. And this becomes our outreach. People see the radical belonging that we embody and now they want to get inside from the outside so that they can belong too. And this is also outreach. Is that what our own outsiders See when they look in on our church? Are we, like Stephen, full of the strength to serve? Second, strength to stand. Strength to serve, strength to stand. Stephen, you know, he's supposed to just be a deacon serving tables, but he just can't seem to stick to logistics, can he? He is given the gift of miracles, and nobody can deny how powerful God is working through him. Uh, Chapter 6, verse 8. And the next thing you know, there's opposition, jealousy, fear. Maybe Stephen thought that the only strength that he'd need in the spirit is the strength to serve, right? That's what he signed up for. But pretty pretty soon, he needs the strength also to stand. Gosh, haven't so many of us been in this position before? We really have, haven't we? We sign up for something. We just want to help. We just want to serve. And then helping, we get involved and we find ourselves in a position where we have to stand up for what's right. And we think, good grief, how did I get into this mess? I just wanted to serve and now I have to stand? But the reality is when service is spiritually motivated, that service is going to be spiritually opposed, isn't it? If it's spiritually motivated, it's going to be spiritually opposed. In verse 9, fellow Jews from abroad are pushing back against Stephen's ministry, aren't they? They're challenging him. They're arguing with him. And then Stephen's wisdom just is too much for them. And when they realize they aren't going to be able to shut him down and discredit him by their own opinions and arguments, well, they take a second approach, don't they? They meet in secret. 
They decide to go the indirect route. They pull their money and influence together, and they find some other people who are willing to make stuff up about Stephen, to discredit him, to make it sound like Stephen is no strong servant, but instead to make it sound like he's a dangerous snake that really must be squashed. You can imagine, after a long silence, what one of these frustrated conspirators might have said about Stephen, right? Wait, I've got it. Duh, of course. What was it, after all, that was able to finally get the crowds to turn against Jesus of Nazareth? Duh, we can claim that Stephen is against our traditions and our laws and our temple, verses 11, verse 13. If we want to knock him down and kick him out, we have to show that he is not one of us to begin with. It worked for Jesus. It'll work for Stephen. And now Stephen has to stand, not in his own strength, but in the strength of the Lord. There's an important spiritual principle for us here, isn't there? As we work together to move up toward the Lord in more genuine and honest love and worship, as we turn in toward one another in sincere servant love, as we learn to turn out toward our neighbors with the love first shown to us in Christ, as we do all this empowered by the Spirit, as we can form ourselves in each of our upward and inward and outward movements of love to the Lord Jesus, well, our Spirit-filled movement will meet spiritual resistance. People will stand opposed to these movements of love. And we will have to stand in the strength of Stephen. You know, my old pastor used to say that nine times out of ten, if you're standing in the spirit and someone stands against you, you're going to have to realize that their problem isn't really with you. They have a problem not with you, but with Jesus and with his spirit. Because his spirit is making, by his power, all things new through the strength of his love. And his love, in all of its strength and power, always shakes up the status quo. And so then the question for you will have to be, do I have the strength to stand? Not to stand tall and proud, but to stand in love with truth and grace in my speech and in my very stance. Can we say, you know what, this is ultimately not about me. It's about the Lord of love. And it's about the mischief that he is making. Well, this is finally the strongest stance in the spirit that we could have. And that's the stance that Stephen takes. And that's the stance that we have to take too. We have to be strong to serve. And when we are, we also have to be strong to stand. Okay, strong to serve, strong to stand. What else? Stephen has strength in the story. Strengthen the story. Something funny, at least to me, keeps happening in the book of Acts, right? Over and over, whenever somebody gets into trouble and people bring accusations against disciples of Jesus and the angry accusers look at Peter or Stephen or Paul and they say, look, mister, what do you got to say for yourself? You know what they do? They always give a Bible study. They start preaching long, what we called in seminary, redemptive historical sermons. They reach all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, and they tell the story 
of Jesus and his love with the whole Bible. But then, like every prophet and poet, they add a surprise twist at the end. A twist in the story that their accusers aren't going to like very much. They're going to say, God sent his promised Messiah. His name is Jesus, and you killed him, but he's alive, and now he reigns over the universe. You should repent and trust in Jesus, who is Lord. How's that going to go? After all, remember, during Act 1, the stage of uncertain waiting, how the resurrected Jesus showed his followers how the entire Bible find its climax in his coming. And now his disciples are so taken in by this story, it's now their favorite story to tell. And when they find themselves with a big audience, even if it's a hostile audience, and the people look at them and they say, hey, explain yourselves, these followers of Jesus can't help but tell the old, old story and show how its happy surprise ending is full of Jesus and his love. And at the end of his sermon, Stephen finally gets around to the accusation. He says, look, I'm not against the temple. I'm not against Moses. But we all need to realize that our God is the God of the universe or else he's no good God at all. And if he's the God of the whole world, then he doesn't need a building in which to dwell. You know this. And if you hate me because I'm telling you that the God we worship in this temple has sent his promised Messiah who died for your sins, who was raised for your justification, and who now sits enthroned, ruling over all things for our good with the whole earth as his temple. If you hate me because of this, then look, I got to remind you, you've got a bad habit of killing off the people who tell you the truth. It's no surprise that you're getting all territorial, that you're ready to defend the status quo with violent threats. But if you're really so committed to the scriptures and to our traditions and to our worship and to our ethics, then you would be the first in line to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ. So full of grace and truth is he. Look, there's no denying, Stephen knows this, there's no denying the strength of the Sanhedrin. The council wants the status quo, and they are the power structure that can silence those who threaten it. They were successful, they thought, with Jesus. They're going to be successful, they hope, in silencing Stephen. There's no denying the strength of the sword. The Romans also want to preserve the peace and the status quo, and they're also going to do it with threats, this time of imprisonment, beatings, and ultimately crucifixions. There's no denying the strength of the streets. The crowds can cut to the quick and kill somebody with a handful of stones, can't they? And they think they're putting an end to Stephen and this group of his followers. But the strength of Stephen is in the story. It's in the story. It's in the story of the God who has created us, who called us, who covenanted with us, who convicted us of our sins, who came to us with loving forgiveness, whose love never caved even at the cross, who came back to life again, who came back to heaven to sit at the right hand of God and who is coming again soon. The only way that we can be people and a church who have the strength of Stephen, the only way we can live our lives and give our lives for something stronger than the strength of the Sanhedrins and swords and streets and other naysayers is if our strength is in the same story where Stephen finds his strength. 
The strength to serve in love and to stand in love comes from the old, old story of Jesus and his love. From Genesis to Revelation, are you strong in the story? Are you in the story? Is it your story enough so that you could tell it, so you could stand on it, so you could be strong in it, even in the face of death? So Stevens is the strength to serve, the strength to stand, the strength in the story, and fourth, strength in the sun, strength in the sun. This storytelling of Stevens makes the council furious, but they're not quite ready to kill him yet, right? They yell and gnash their teeth at him, and he looks away. Then he looks up, verse 55, next chapter into heaven, and he sees the sun to whom he has just borne witness. And his, the son is standing at the father's right hand. And Stephen, almost forgetting who's around him, starts just saying what he's seeing. And that's when they've heard enough, right? Because what he says that he sees, they think, is blasphemy. He's claiming to see God and God's son. He's claiming that they're on his side. He's claiming that they're standing with him and for him and cheering him on and giving him strength. And when they hear him say, I see the son of God seated at God's right hand. They plug their ears so they don't have to hear the story of his anymore. And they raise their voices so that all that he can hear, they think, is their yelling. I'm not sure Stephen heard a word of it, though, because his strength was in the sun and his sights were on the sun and the voice that he heard was from the sun. And they take him outside of the city, just like they did with Jesus to kill him. And as they're doing it, Stephen takes the words of the sun on his lips, doesn't he? He pleads for their forgiveness and he submits his spirit. He's kept his eyes on the sun and in the end, even as they stone him, all he can see is not the stones coming at him, but the sun smiling down on him. And all the people stoning him can see is that his strength is in the sun. And that says everything, doesn't it? That's the great testimony of Stephen. Friends, if we are going to be strong to serve and strong to stand then our strength has to be in the story, which finds its own strength in the resurrected son. Is that where your strength is? Is it in the story and in the son? Is that where my strength is? In the story and in the son. Is that where the strength of IPC is? In the story of Jesus and his love and in Jesus himself. If it's not there, then what are we even doing? There's no service we could render or no stand that we could take that's worth the cost unless our strength is in the story and our eyes are on the sun. May he be honored and glory, glorified as we find our strength in him and in his salvation. Amen.